Welcome to the Myth-Busting Lung Cancer Screening Podcast Series, hosted by Dr. Debbie Dyer. This podcast is brought to you by the American College of Radiology and the National Lung Cancer Roundtable. Hello, and welcome to the Myth-Busting Lung Cancer Screening Podcast Series for Lung Cancer Awareness Month. My name is Dr. Debbie Dyer, and I'm a thoracic radiologist at National Jewish Health in Denver, Colorado. I'm talking today with Dr. Gerard Silvestri of MUSC about the pulmonologist perspective on myths related to lung cancer screening. This episode, we're going to be talking about what happens if the lung cancer screening CT is abnormal. And so, Gerard, thanks so much for being with me here today. And I wonder if you could describe what the patient should expect when they get an abnormal screening CT result. Well, thanks again for having me, Debbie. The series has been great, and I appreciate the ACR doing this during Lung Cancer Awareness Month and the National Lung Cancer Roundtable, uh, which I'm a part of, having me do this on their behalf The first thing I want my patients to know when we're doing lung cancer screening is don't panic. That's the first part. You may get a phone call that says, hey, you have an abnormal screening test. The first thing I would say to you is please don't panic. If you look back at the National Lung Screening Trial, which is a 50,000-person trial in the United States, which taught us uh, that lung cancer screening was effective. And you looked at this age group of people 55 to 74 who had smoked at least 30 pack years, which means one pack of cigarettes a day for 30 years or 15 years at two packs a day. What we found is there was about 25% right out of the gate who had on their initial scan some kind of abnormality. 98% of those abnormalities were not cancer. 75% of those abnormalities just needed to be followed by someone like Dr. Dyer, who's a radiologist, with what we call serial scanning. And depending on what the abnormality showed, depended on how often you had to follow those with the next scan. And so there's really strict criteria, which will tell you, hey, you know, this scan's really not much of anything. We just need to have you come back next year when you'd have your normal scan. Whatever the small finding is, it looks benign, meaning not cancerous. Come back next year for your annual scan. The second thing would be, oh, you know, this looks like something, but not really that much. Come back in six months rather than a year. We just want to be absolutely sure there's no problem. And, and, and most of those, again, turn out not to be cancer. The third option is, hey, this doesn't look like cancer, but we want to make sure it clears up. And so we might get something in three months for you. And then there's this very small group where there is something suspicious. And of course, that's the whole reason to be screened, to find something early, if it's a cancer, early, so that we can do something about it, like take it out with surgery so that you're cured in an early stage of disease. In that regard, you might be asked to get either a a different kind of scan, something called a PET scan, which tells us whether whatever that spot they're seeing in the lungs is active, and, and by active meaning what's called hot on PET or lights up on PET is active and may be more likely to be cancerous, or they might recommend a biopsy. And this is where you might see a lung specialist or pulmonologist. And there are two sort of ways we generally do biopsies. One way is is numbing up the skin on the chest and under CAT scan guidance, a radiologist and what's called an interventional radiologist will put a needle through the chest wall and into that spot. 
And the opposite thing is also true. Something that I do, which is go through um, the inside. So go through the mouth once someone's had uh, sedation and they're sleepy and take a look into their lungs and biopsy them from the inside out. Those two types of approaches depend a lot on where the spot is in the lung, what your local expertise is, and what the best way to get at it to get the highest diagnostic yield, the highest chance of making the biopsy give you a diagnosis with the lowest side effect profile. Finally, if it's really, really suspicious and really looks like a cancer, then sometimes we say it just needs to come out and it gets taken out uh, directly by a surgeon. So those are all the approaches to an abnormal scan. One thing I would say, Deb, which I I hope you'd agree with, especially being at National Jewish in Denver, which is a real center for excellence for this type of thing, is the the patients ought to think about and um, talk to their doctor about, hey, is this being presented at a tumor board? So a tumor board is a group of physicians who get together from all these different specialties, surgery, oncology, radiation doctors, pulmonologists, pathologists, and discuss these cases and look at the x-rays to come to a group consensus on what's best for their patient. We think that we firmly believe at our university that's the single most important thing a patient can do when they have an abnormal scan, unless it's very straightforward. If it's at all complicated, having those discussions often leads to a consensus about the best way to approach their patient and decide whether, A, they need a biopsy, B, if they don't need a biopsy, how quickly we should repeat the scan, C, if they need a biopsy, what's the best approach, or should we send them straight to surgery? And and I will tell you, at our tumor board, which I've been active and a part of for over a quarter century, we actually we actually sometimes take a vote and say, hey, if this was your mom, what would you guys do? And sometimes, you know, it's overwhelming. Everyone agrees that this should happen. By the way, for patients, you should also realize sometimes there's not a right or wrong answer. And sometimes it's, hey, some people think we could watch this for three months and some think we can biopsy. In those cases, having the input of the patient's really important. How worried would they be waiting three months or how risky is the biopsy? Those are things that all should be done in conjunction with the patient when we're having sort of a a shared decision-making visit. So I know that's a long-winded answer, but that's what we look at when we're talking about an abnormal screen. Well, and it sounds like it's great that you're addressing ahead of time, just from the beginning, telling patients, don't panic if we find something. Because one of the concerns or myths that I have heard is that patients will have so much anxiety and they'll worry so much unnecessarily about findings on lung cancer screening that it's just not worth it. So I don't know if I'm sure you have probably encountered some folks say that sort of thing to you. What do you say to them about, well, relieving that anxiety? Well, I, I think it's a sort of a double-edged sword, right? If, you, if, if you're so anxious that you don't want to be screened, then you really have missed the, op- if you're eligible for screening, you've really missed an opportunity to, to cure this at an early stage, right? And so it's either be afraid now or maybe have an advanced cancer later. And so what we try to say is, look, we're going to work with you through this. And if you aren't screened, it doesn't mean it's not there. <laughs> it just means you're not <laughs> Good finding point. it. And, and so we, we try to work with them through that uh, fear 
The, the opposite's also true, uh, which is if they get a scan and it doesn't show a cancer, that doesn't mean that they won't develop one in the future, which, which is one of the reasons I think we have to encourage people to make sure they come back yearly for their scan. And what we don't want patients to believe is that a clean scan gives them this license to continue to smoke and maybe license not to come back because they think they have a clean bill of health. So we want people not to be sort of cavalier in either direction. We get that fear. Listen, I understand that. You know, it's always a little scary. And I, I, I guess the only corollary would be, you know, things like breast cancer. And I know that there are women who, do, who are afraid of what they might find because maybe their parent or a, a relative had cancer and they just rather not know. And I think we just need to work with our patients through that and encourage them that we're going to be with them every step of the way. And again, 98% of the people we screen will not have cancer. So hopefully it'll be in that group, but we want to check them. Yes, that's such useful, supportive information that I think, you know, we can try as hard as we can. We need to get that message out because I think patients need to understand that. And then they're referring physicians in the primary care community or even in the pulmonary community that might have that idea that, well, it's just going to cause too much worry. I like your way of approaching it that, well, you know, it, it doesn't make sense if you're going to just be hiding and be afraid now or be afraid later. I mean, it's, it's really just something that hopefully through communication and just being as supportive as we can, we can help patients through. And our navigators have actually had a role in that as well. And they certainly have helped when they call the patient to remind them that they have to come in for their next scan. And sometimes patients will say, oh, do I really need it this year? And, you know, I I was fine last time and I just don't want to worry about it. And and our navigators are really (laughs) pretty assertive on the phone and say, no, you need to come in. Right. Well, that's great. Well, thank you so much, Gerard. And this is such an important topic. So I appreciate all of your comments. You're welcome. This podcast is brought to you by the American College of Radiology and the National Lung Cancer Roundtable.